0: NewsCast is part of the Fire and Water Network.
1: Sam, I have to ask you a question. And promise me you won't make a joke out of it. Okay? Promise. Yeah, I promise. What's up? Do you think I'm crazy? Yes. (laughs) Ha, ha. Now that we've gotten the joke out of the way, will you please help me? I know this is a strange question, but it's important. Do you think I'm crazy yes i should have known better you're incapable of a rational conversation everything has to be some flip remark what all right now wait a minute do you mean are you crazy like seriously unbalanced like losing your grasp on reality yes oh well then yes
0: hello and welcome back to cheers cast the podcast where everybody knows your name i'm ryan daly and my guest this episode is a regular contributor to the front row network podcast on npr illinois please welcome brandon davis to the
1: show what's up brandon hi thank you very much for having me this is going to be fun
0: Thank you very much for reaching out and offering to, for volunteering to be on the show. I love it when that happens. It makes a, it gives me the, the worst slash best problem to have, which is an abundance of people who want to be on the show.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. From somebody who also does podcasting, I know the feeling.
0: Um, you, this is your first time on Cheerscast, so you get the same question as every first time guest How and when did you discover Cheers?
1: I feel like I've known Cheers for, you know, pretty much my whole life. I'm 33. So when I was born, Cheers was sort of in its heyday. But I remember remember it being syndicated when I was a kid and it coming on a couple times on the weekends on Fox and things like that. But when I first discovered it, was really when it came on Nick at Night, which would have been the fall of 2001. So that would have been around the time I was in high school. And that was, uh, I remember watching that first Cheers marathon. And the first episode of Cheers I actually saw was Rebound, um, episode one of season three. And um, just really fell in love with it. I Of course, I was familiar with the cast and the characters and all that, but it was my first time to actually be immersed in the Cheers world. So um, yeah, season three was really kind of my first cheer season and um from then on it became that and I Love Lucy are really the two hallmark shows of sitcoms of my life and uh, yeah I just I, I've always loved it I think it's probably the apex of the sitcom mm-hmm. and um, yeah absolutely and then uh, when I got to college that was around the time it was coming out on DVD so I stocked up on all the seasons and I got two of my best friends in college hooked on the show and we did a complete watch through of all 11 seasons so cheers very much been a part of my life the last couple decades
0: it definitely sounds like this was the season that was a uh, formative because when you reach out you send me a big long list of a bunch of episodes <laughs> from this one i was like clearly clearly he enjoys some episodes from the season um So, yeah, the one that Brandon and I are going to be talking about, listeners, is Season 3, Episode 8, Diane Meets Mom. This episode is written by David Lloyd, directed by Jim Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, November twenty second, 1984, which would have been Thanksgiving of that year. Wow. Um, Diane is nervous about meeting Fraser's mother for the first time, as the renowned Dr. Hester Crane is an eminent psychiatrist, and Diane worries that she will be judged and scrutinized during dinner. However, when Fraser introduces them, they seem to hit it off famously and have a wonderful dinner at Melville's above cheers. After dinner, though, Hester pulls Diane aside and says directly and emphatically that if Diane doesn't end the relationship, Hester will kill her. Meanwhile, it's Norm's birthday, and when the gang gathers around to celebrate, coach pops a champagne bottle. The cork hits Norm on the head, knocking him to the floor. Sam insists that Norm get checked out at the hospital, at Sam's expense. But Norm says he's fine, until the coach takes his side, citing how many hits to the head he took over the years without ever seeking medical treatment. The next day, Norm returns and hands Sam a shockingly large medical bill shocking by 1984 standards that is for not just the CT scan but a battery of tests and procedures including a tattoo removal reluctantly CM agrees to pay the bill as a birthday present Diane tells Sam about her disturbing confrontation with Hester. Sam figures the woman was probably joking, and it went over Diane's head. Diane accepts this a little too eagerly, and when Fraser and Hester stop by to take Diane to lunch, Diane begins threatening Hester in front of Fraser. When she explains that she's only joking about murder the way Hester did the night before, Hester denies ever-threatening Diane. The three of them go into Sam's office to hash out the situation. Hester and Diane stand by their stories and force Frasier to choose which of them he believes. Frasier chooses Diane, which causes Hester to break down and reveal that she didn't think Diane was good enough and only tried to scare her off to protect Fraser's future. Once Fraser firmly pledges his love to Diane and vice versa, Hester accepts their relationship and welcomes Diane with open arms. The three of them walk out, but before they go to lunch, Hester steals a private moment with Sam and tries to bribe him into seducing Diane away from Fraser. Sam says she doesn't have enough money to make it worth it. So, Brandon, wh- why did you want to cho- talk about this episode, and what are your overall <laughs> thoughts?
1: I think this is a great episode because I think it's not the most laugh out loud episode of the season, although there's some big laughs in it. I think it's one of the most important episodes of the season and and, end of the series because it's very important to the Diane Frazier relationship and it's very important in Frazier Crane lore. I think Mm -hmm. Um, that this is the only well, not the only time we will see Rita Wilson play Hester Crane during the uh, run of Frazier when uh, Frazier goes into his subconscious at some Mm -hmm. point. Um, But you know she's much talked about um, and uh, you know she she's an imposing presence and uh, she's part of the reason why. Frazier Crane is the way he is, so it's. I, I think it's a very important episode, and it's got a great guest star, Nancy Marchand. So it, I think it's got a lot going. Yeah, it's got a lot going for it.
0: Yeah, and then Nancy Marchand has, has a pretty good uh, uh, history if you check her out on IMDb. She's done a lot of stage work, though. I and this is sort of like retroactively now, but I see her and I see Tony Soprano's mom from The Sopranos, Livia. Yeah. Um, and clearly, I mean, just you think of, okay, this woman clearly knew how to play these very imposing, manipulative, Possibly homicidal women <laughs> on these shows, so uh, definitely, definitely played into that type. Um, and she
1: was just and she was just coming off of um, an Emmy-winning role on uh, Lou Grant, where she played a uh, newspaper publisher. So she she was always cast as these tough dominating women and she plays them so well.
0: She absolutely did. Yeah. Um, And you're right in terms of that was going to get into the sort of, it's the little known fact Um, between this show cheers and the show Frazier. This is the only time we see Hester crane alive on either of those shows. And you're right. Rita Wilson did play her in a sort of, flashback dream sequence psychoanalysis thing of frasier's
1: with um, Shelley long i believe too so. mm-hmm.
0: um, and i think frasier also revealed the the show did reveal that she dies about 3 years after this uh, appearance uh, i think it says somewhere in in frasier i don't know what episode but i think they mentioned that she died of lung cancer in 1987 a couple of years after this one getting back to the episode though yeah i, I mean you're right it's a great like the first thing I thought of was the number of people that threatened violence to die in across the, across the life of this show. Um, and even forgetting for a fact you've got, like, Carlo who does it on a nightly basis – but how often is Diane put in physical jeopardy? And I couldn't help but compare this one to the Andy Andy appearance in, in season one. Yes. Um, now that one I definitely think – I think that is a superior episode. I think that is much funnier. But mm-hmm. this one did uh, immediately took me back to that moment because of how totally out of the blue this threat comes this is a sophisticated woman. This is yeah. Fraser's mom. She's, this, like, uh, she's like more credentialed than he is. He, he lives in her shadow and everything like that. And, and they seem to be joking about all these erudite things and, and she's very sophisticated. And once Fraser turns his back, she's like, listen, if you don't leave him, I am going to kill you. <laughs> it's like the same moment as when Andy says, I, not via Milano's, I killed a waitress there once. And you're just like, yeah. what did she say?
1: And I think that's why this episode is so memorable because I, you never forget that first moment when the turn happens because you totally don't see it coming and she plays it. She's not playing it for laughs. She's playing it like a dramatic actress. And, (laughs) and, and that's what, and I think that's what makes it so great because you've got Shelley Long doing her amazing, you know, comedic reactions that she does so well and Nancy Marchand is playing it like she's on the Sopranos or it's Shakespeare or something (laughs) like that.
0: She says, I have a gun. I know how to use it. Wait, what? (laughs) I think later on actually when they're back in the office, she says the other day when I was pricing
1: (laughs) revolvers.
0: Pricing revolvers. She said, I knew this was an irrational act. (laughs) (laughs) Um so yeah, uh, so getting into, we'll, we'll circle back to this one because it is the, the main plot, but kind of getting into the, um, the teaser and then the norm subplot. Um, the teaser I love. It's a great, it's, it's a classic little, just one of those simple little done in one vignettes where we get this phone repair man. Uh, named phil ryan uh played by a guy named tom kindle he comes in coaches working and coaches like you know how does he, he's like hey i'm a i'm a phone repair man. he's like oh i'm a bartender and Of yeah. course, in, not realizing why the guy's here and he's like sam asked, to put in a call to fix the phone and coach is like well that's weird he never told me about it let me call sam and, and double check and naturally, as you you can, see, even if you haven't seen it, you can tell where this scene is going. Coach picks up the phone. He's not getting a dial tone. He's not getting a number. Hangs it up and goes, you know, dumb luck, Phil. The phone is dead. And this guy just like looks back at Carla and she's like, give him a couple of seconds. It's like this is normal for him.
1: It's it's like a wonderfully played um, Abbott and Costello routine. Exactly. It's, it's, it's executed so well. And what's amazing to me is that you know, for as sick as Nick Colasano was during this season, he's giving it his all. He never phones it in and he play he still plays these bits to perfection, and it's And you're right, it's simple, but it it's totally it totally does what it sets out to do, and it's very sweet. Uh, Carla, Coach is the only character that I can call her uh, that I can say that she was ever sweet with, because yeah. she because even with Woody, you know, even though you know Woody is the same sort of archetype, you know, Carla would have been a lot more. Um, she she would have been a lot more impatient with Woody, but uh, you know, with Coach, you know, she lets him take his time.
0: right right you know and and the look on on calisanto's face and also the guest star like both of these guys because you you got them alternating these different reactions because you see the coach feels bad as he's working it out and then he said he's like i hate to impose on you but since you're here it's like you mind taking a look at the phone and this guy's like Sure, like this look of like sort of astonishment. Like he's like, "Am I really having this conversation with this guy? Is this for Mm -hmm. real?" I feel
1: like he. I feel like Coach does this a lot. He does these little routines with you know food delivery guys, electricians, Mm -hmm. all that.
0: Um, and then the other subplot that we get for this one is it's Norm's birthday, um, his 36th birthday, actually, um, which I, I read a little bit of a trivia fact that that, um, that was actually George Wentz's age, and they were probably filming this episode around the time of his birthday. Uh, I think he's got like a mid October birthday, and that would have been about a month before this episode aired. So they might have been actually filming this episode when he turned 36.
1: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I, it's amazing to me that I'm close to the age that George went was then. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. It feels weird to be, be a few years older. Um, but yeah. Uh, and of course he comes in and he's, try, he's very obviously tried to downplay, you know, don't, don't make a big deal about today. Don't ask me all these things. And like, just flip, flip playing it with coach. Like he really doesn't want to make a big deal about how special this day is. While at the same time, leading coach by the nose to get him to basically ask the question is today your birthday um and something that i never really caught or never i never thought about it until watching it for this episode is when coach announces the birthday he rings the bell above the bar and it's a nice little effect it's like oh yeah that's something that they would do but it also sets you up that you know that that bell is there for when the joke happens like two minutes later
1: yeah, that's, the, that's a perfectly executed moment, because they, they don't do the bell that often, but when they do, it usually comes into play in the, in the uh, synopsis mm-hmm. of the episode. But yeah, it, it's a nice little, because in, in retrospect, you don't always think about it, but it really yeah. does remind you that it's there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because then, when when Norm kind of coaxes them and leads them into singing "Happy Birthday" for him, that's when Coach pops the cork, and we get the the, the great sort of like sound effect of the cork bouncing off the bell, ricocheting and hitting Norm in the forehead, <laughs> and he just drops right off of his mm. seat. And then when they pick him up, the cork is stuck between his eyes. Too, like his...
1: It's a fantastic visual seeing George yeah, with it's... that cork on his forehead.
0: <laughs> yeah, whatever prop guy had to got to gum that to his forehead was really.
1: <laughs> and and my favorite bit though is uh Cliff coming to inspect him and talking <laughs> about the uh, uh what was it? The 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 symptom of prospangial is the blurring of the metatarsal. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, he's trying to like look at his eyes and all the medical jargon that he knows. It's like none of these things have to. But it's typical Cliff, and and Sam is like doing the right thing. I mean, you think he? I mean, the cynical view is that you know this guy got hurt on his property with his property. Sort of, Um, you know, he could be he could be liable here, but he's also thinking about as a friend. He's like, go to the hospital, get checked out. I'll Mm -hmm. pay for it. And Nora's like, no, no, it's fine. It's not deal and then of course of course coach takes his side he's like all those times i got hit in the head and i never needed to get checked out and norm's like you'll keep my drink cold for me won't you
1: (laughs) (laughs) coach also has a little great bit um oh oh it's after um it's after sam tells cliff to shut up and (laughs) cliff sits down he goes yeah yeah we're entering the dark ages or something and coach says do we lose an hour or gain an hour yes yeah
0: and then once once Norm comes back and everything, and he hands him the bill, and it's, uh, oh, how much is it? $683 is the, is the medical bill. I was like, oh, my God, we should be so lucky to get a $683 oh. bill for yeah. all of these tests today.
1: Yeah, because he he had more than one procedure done. Even
0: yeah, he probably he would have gotten like a head CT, probably like all the like normal like blood work, X rays, things like that. Uh, not to mention a tattoo removal, all these things. Mm-hmm. And it's like only six hundred dollars. Like, oh my gosh! <laughs> so, and then, but yeah, he's like talking about like how expensive these tests get. And, and Cliff says something about like you know the, the tests for or the all these medical costs they, like entered like the billions now or something. And Coach is like, oh, yeah. I, I never knew that many people got hit by corks.
1: <laughs> he does for 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 a non-coach centered episode. There is amazing coach one-liners in this.
0: He does, it he does. Like, it's yeah. yeah, it's it's one of those episodes where every line is uh, a chef's kiss. Mwah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And then yeah, and, and Sam like very reluctant. He's like, "Fine, fine, I'll do it. I'll pay for it." I didn't want to. He's like, "I'll pay for your tattoo removal as as you know your birthday present." And Coach and or Norm is like, "You know, I've been eyeing this tummy tuck for Christmas."
1: <laughs> I, I think it's interesting that Cliff knows that the uh, tattoo was on Norm's butt. And-
0: yes. <laughs> Yes, which very understated, but yeah, that is definitely a fact of their relationship. But Norm had a butt tattoo, and Cliff knew where it was.
1: <laughs> and, and one of the uh, one of the other customers tells uh, <laughs> asked Norm, "You know, who's ever going to see your butt? You're just about to, wise guy."
0: <laughs> yeah, who's going to see your butt? He's like, "You're about to." <laughs> that was a nice return. I like that one.
1: Yeah. That was great.
0: But then, yeah, getting uh, getting like to the meat of the episode, like you know, Diane like going out. Like, I mean, first when she walks in, she's she explains who this woman is, that she's afraid, and then tries to run out of the uh, out of the bar and everything before they arrive. I love that Coach came up with all of these lists of things for Diane to avoid to do. <laughs> when he passes her a note, he says, "Also, there's a dainty way to dispose of gristle <laughs>
1: And he's and he takes it so seriously, and that's what the and, and what, uh, my favorite yeah when he tells her uh, don't don't snap your gum, don't chew with your mouth open, and for God's sake, don't play with your bra straps. <laughs> yeah. I was like,
0: based on based on those expectations, what would Coach have thought would be a dainty and not, and subtle way of disposing Crystal? <laughs> I, uh, yeah. He,
1: I mean, he did raise a daughter, so we don't know what <laughs> he experienced
0: true but once they come back down and she's talking about they're talking about jung's jungian psychiatry and everything like that Mm -hmm. and and diane's term paper uh and she apologizes for like hijacking the conversation but everything seems to be going great and then um uh, (laughs) what is fraser oh he's got this great line about getting like this drink that this new little uh drink that he just discovered or something like that and he's like three cans of schlitz (laughs) And then once, once the threat happens, once she drops his bomb, she's like, i got a gun. I'll shoot you if you don't drop everything. You know, Fraser mentions that he's going to step over to the bathroom, and Diane says, please don't. Don't leave. And she says, if you love me, you won't do this right now. <laughs>
1: And the wheels turning behind Kelsey Grammer's uh, eyes. <laughs> he he is really. This is the moment I think in season three where he's really starting. To, he he had the characterization of Frazier from the from the get go, but I think he's really starting to now finally get the wheels turning of the Frazier Crane character, and he's really starting to figure out the idiosyncrasies and what makes Frazier tick. Because he's got he you know he doesn't have a lot to do. Most of his stuff in this episode is reacting, but the little stuff that he he does get to do is absolutely great and i almost feel like his frasier from seasons three and four are kind of what became niles later on and the yeah he's, he's he's a little more he's a little more manic he's a little more insecure you know once you know toward the end of the run of cheers and once Frazier began fraser crane was a much more centered character and they allowed niles to do all of the you know more insecure crazy crazy stuff but but yeah but yeah that- Kelsey's latching onto that character
0: That I I never thought of it that way, but you're right. That's a really good insight because I well they've made the joke that Niles looks more like Frasier does when Frasier started the show when he was much thinner and everything like that. Um, And they made the joke that you know Frasier's health did not improve the longer he spent in this bar. Um, Actually, like he's Frasier himself has a joke about that in one of the last episodes of the show that I love. Um, But yeah, I never thought about that. That's Niles' character in in the Frasier show is much more yeah he's got the the sort of manic and the fastidiousness a little bit of of Frasier in this run man yeah that's oh that's good i like that
1: yeah, I love, uh, and you mentioned the whole little restroom bit where she says, if you love me, you won't do this now, but the look of determination on his face when, when he says, well, it's an odd way to uh, show one's affection, but I'll do it. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's like, it's a peculiar test of a man's affection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that, yeah. And then he's like, okay, okay, we'll do something else. I won't go to that. Yeah. We'll go somewhere. Yeah, um,
1: and, and, and I, at that point, I think also Diane is mentioning, you know, uh, she just now realizes how much she dominated the conversation and what i love in later seasons we would have seen them go up to melville's because they'd added a melville set by the end of the show so we would have seen that but it it leaves us up to our imagination how much diane must have annoyed hester crane during dinner
0: (laughs) well i mean later on when they're in the room she calls her a pseudo intellectual (laughs) partner it's like okay that's that's harsh i mean I mean, Diane did have seven majors in college, so I mean, that's all right. Well, well, let's try and put everything in perspective. But that's yeah, that's, that's kind of harsh. I, and I like it when after they leave the first time, the way the first act ends. When uh, Sam is just like, "How would dinner go?" And she wants to kill me, and Sam just without missing a beat is like, "You got to start picking up some chest.
1: Uh-huh. Diane." <laughs> And honestly, Ted Danson—he he has so many scene-stealing moments in this episode. Like, 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 like Coach. He doesn't get a whole lot to do, but the little bits that they give Ted Danson to do, he—he he hits it out of the park in his little bits that he gets to do.
0: And the way he jokes with her and later on, like when like when they go into the back office and she's like, I'm not crazy, and she's like talking to her, having a conversation <laughs> with herself, and Sam just kind of looks at her, he's like a whole year of my life. <laughs> like mm-hmm. wasted with her. Like based on based on Sam in this episode, you would never think they would get back together. Like no. you would think like the, the trajectory of this relationship. I mean, they, like you're right in terms of like the importance and I think the way you've described like like because up until this point i mean with with some with some uh, kind of like uh, discrepancies i think fraser has been the third person in the sam and diane relationship right. we know that she is committed to him she loves him she talks to him but we still had this sort of sexual chemistry between sam and diane post their breakup and what's going to happen and yeah. we've kind of seen that chip away but by this point it's like okay this is all about what what tests we can throw against Diane Frazier that have nothing to do with Sam? We're introducing Frazier's mother. He's got his own supporting cast now of characters and mm-hmm. everything. It's like they're. I mean, Frazier is is pretty firmly embedded in this show right now for a character who was maybe only supposed to be on the show eight times when he was first conceived.
1: Yeah, um, I I've listened to interviews with the Charles brothers and Jim Burrows, and you know their original idea their original game plan for Sam and Diane was you know based off of 1930s 40s screwball romantic comedies so you know basing it off of Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy and then they based the character of Fraser Crane off of an old character actor like Ralph Bellamy who always plays this sort of fuddy-duddy person that the leading lady is going to marry because she's denying her feelings for her leading man so mm-hmm. so he 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 plays that archetype so well but hit it out of the ballpark so well that he became this sort of three three-dimensional leading man himself and it's it's great season three is where you really get to see him blossom
0: yeah absolutely I, I mean, to, to the point like once they go back to the office. I mean, we we see that uh, his mother has been manipulating him, and is this a one time occurrence or has, has this been going? I mean, the way Fraser talks about her in every other well, he tells he tells her in this episode. You know, she's the most kind and loving and generous person he's ever met, and speaks about her with nothing but affection later on, and um, clearly loved her and adored her. So, is this just like this weird outlier occurrence where she went into this? psychotic defense mechanism of like of jealousy or insecurity that she had to threaten violence against this woman to protect her son?
1: I don't... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the way that... It's funny, when I watch this episode, I think about John Mahoney's portrayal of Martin Crane, and I thought, these two people were married to each other, and... <laughs> <laughs> the way that he, that you know, and, and the way that he would, of course, speak about her on Fraser was never in the most loving way. But, but yeah, this must be some kind of outlier, or he just never knew. Right. He never knew the real Hester Green.
0: <laughs> right. And I mean, my my gut check reaction to that is no, because. I mean, they, like the whole Martin Crane the, that that character on Fraser is a retcon. Like that is yeah. not the father that Fraser oh, had, yeah. a, as he as he talks about in this show. And they actually make jokes about explaining that they do. in in, in Fraser <laughs> and the differences, especially like when like Ted Danson shows up on that show and they have to explain. It's like I thought you said your dad was dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so but yeah so uh, it's, I mean for yeah you having to reconcile these two characters in a, in a loving marriage for that long it's like uh, I don't know um, I, I know that like within the lore then uh, I, I guess uh, I, I, I don't even remember this from the show but I, I actually read read this just while we were prepping I guess Hester and Martin apparently met when she was doing a psychological profile of a killer or something like that, and, mm-hmm. and had to do with when he was—I don't—I don't know, like on, on the force or something um so uh, but yeah, so so fraser like he he has to choose, and he chooses Diane, and he sticks and, and esther starts to crumble and cry, and she's kind of like it. Yeah, she's she's like i she's like i know you've she's like, I, I guess i'll have to accept that you've chosen this woman, I never understood your spider collection either. But. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and oh, when she goes into her whole little crying jig about you know how you know she'd rather have him shoveling sherbet at the howard johnson's <laughs> she delivers that so well
0: yeah it's she, she's like then when married to a, a pseudo-intellectual barber she's like no offense and Diane's like i'm taking it's like diane you can take offense to that yeah. you're well within your rights to take offense
1: this is one of those episodes I feel like we're, you know, part of Diane's fatal flaw, she always gets in her own way. And, mm. you know, there are moments when she can really stand on her own two feet and she decides not to for, you know, to take the higher ground. And, you know, in her little she, – Shelly Long is so great at delivering those speeches, you know, like the I'm a dreamer and I have the habit of making dreams come true. They're so indignant and so <laughs> – but she is so brilliant at doing it because there's such pomposity, but you buy it. You buy it. She's so great at delivering those lines, and
0: she's like, she's so good also at just awkwardly not reading the room correctly yes. to the point where you're almost cringing for her. Mm-hmm. Um, like when, like, because say, say she. She tells say, in this situation, he's like, "Are you sure she wasn't just joking? You're not known for your sense of humor." And she realized she's like, "Oh, she must have been joking." And she's just like, "She's like, what a veritable goose." And she's describing, "It's like, come on, Diane, really?" But then, so when when Hester comes back, you know, she's like, "I've decided that once we're married, we should put uh, you should we should put Mother Crane in a home where she, nothing but like beatings and torture and starvation is regular stuff like that." And they're freaking out, and she's doing, she's like, "I think we should actually have her stuffed," and she looks back at sam like for approval she's like this is funny right and sam is gesturing with like this finger across his throat like no cut this this is not right so like they're not getting the joke and everything and she like, and she totally misses that she's like yeah in fact i feel she's like we should slit her throat and
1: I, love, I love i love the line she tells sam right as they're entering if you have knees be prepared to slap them <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh so good so good yeah so, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, like, it's a weirdly, it's a weirdly funny episode where a lot of the humor comes out of like these weird places, these unexpected places. I mean, Sam has got some great little one-off lines. Coach has the great non-sequiturs. Um, Norm has this plot. That's just kind of like a, a throwaway plot. It's nice that it's his birthday. Carla, Cliff, they don't really have much to do, but uh, this whole little thing between Diane Fraser and her and his mother Is just this great little thing, and I I couldn't help it. As soon as that line that came out of nowhere, "If you don't leave me, I'll kill you," I was like, "Oh, Andy, Andy again!" It's like she's like, how many people are going to try and kill Diane?
1: Yeah, and 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 nothing's worth. Solved at the end of the episode you know fraser and diane think it is but who who knows what's gonna happen later you know of course she tries to bribe sam you know but but you you know diane you know she like like we mentioned she does not read the room and and it's clear that hester's not really you know accepting her but you know Mm. when they do that little funny little walk out the door when the three of them are in arm in arm and diane does that little doot do (laughs) do But yeah. you know, and then of course she just turns around and tries to bribe Sam to take <laughs> Diane back.
0: I understand he used to sleep that one. How much would it cost you to start things out? He's like, "You don't have enough money." Like, How do you know? He's like, there isn't enough money. They just go back and forth. He's like, oh, "I know what you mean." He's like, "No, you don't." And that's a great little capper for the episode.
1: It's perfect. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was kind of, kind of getting into my other things. Um, we talked about the, my, you know, little known trivia facts, um, the fact that, um, uh, the character, according to the whole Cheers Frasier expanded year or, uh, collective universe, uh, the character is um, I guess she died in uh, 1987 of lung cancer this is her only living appearances and she is recast by Rita Wilson in, in a sort of flashback dream
1: sequence I would have loved to have seen her interact with Lilith, I'm like too bad we didn't get a Hester Crane-Lilith meeting
0: Oh, yeah. We meet Lilith's mom and she's a trip later <laughs> <We on. do. laughs>
1: those, are the, those are the two mother-in-laws from hell, I'm telling oh, you God. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, for norm 's tab I guess the the fact that he 's taken out relatively early <laughs> by the court and then yeah. he 's gone actually, he only had two beers in this episode, uh, which brings him up to two hundred and forty I did not count the half glass of champagne that he sipped on <laughs> um, uh, but two two beers which brings him up to two hundred and forty five for the series. Uh so now for the employee of the week this was a tough one but uh who did you think who did you think was the the strongest or yeah. funniest character this one
1: all of the characters get, well, except for, except for Carl, this is, I think this is the quietest Rhea Perlman's been in a long time, Mm -hmm. but, um, but, but all the characters get their little bits. but as I, as I audited kind of the whole episode and thought about it, this is still Shelley Long's episode. And she really, her, her reactions, her way of not reading the room, her, you know, just, just, you know, everything, you know, the fact that (laughs) this poor character has so many people wanting to kill her, um, (laughs) She's, I think she's definitely the MVP of this episode, though, because this is a it's a it's a wacky situation. It really is that could have been made sort of unbelievable, but Shelley Long in the way that she handles it makes it believable. And I think I think that she's she's the star of the show.
0: I agree. I agree that uh, that she was the first person that I thought of, and then I was like, "Well, you know, I can make a case for Hester. I can make a case for Fraser. Mm-hmm. They they were both very, very solid in their supporting roles. But this was a Diane episode, and she really earned it from from her moments of yeah. sort of." Shocked terror at one point to to just sort of like nervousness to just over the moon like he, like right, self righteousness just like everything and like the the facial gestures the the emphasis she, yeah she she nailed this one this was a, a well earned Diane MVP episode so I agree
1: mm.
0: um, for the home runs for the uh, the funniest gags or the, the most dramatic parts um, I've got a couple um, my I think my number one is definitely. The part where she asks Sam if she thinks he's, if he thinks she's crazy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have the same one?
1: Yeah, well, I've had a couple too, so okay, I can yeah.
0: mention another one. Um, and I am probably going to play this episode as the intro, the the soundbite at the beginning of this episode. But it's she asks Sam if she thinks if he thinks she's crazy, and he goes, Yes. She goes, Ha ha, I'm not joking. For for serious, think about it. Do you think I'm crazy? He goes, Yes, <laughs> and she's like, "This isn't funny." I'm not. Joking. He's like, oh, "Wait, do you think? Do you mean like I really think you've lost your grip on reality? Like totally nuts, crazy?" She's like, "Yeah." He's,
1: like, "Yes." <laughs> He's
0: like, "Yeah." Like, I think the fact that he just keeps coming back—it's it's so good.
1: The fact that he is able to make you laugh <laughs> just by saying yes three separate times. <laughs> yeah. uh, I did, Ted Danson is brilliant, and he—I I don't think that he quite gets the credit for how great his delivery is. And I, I, I love the early seasons because Sam Malone's IQ has not dwindled as much as it will toward the end of the season. So he is able to make witty repartee still in these earlier mm-hmm. seasons. And I always love that about the earlier you know, incarnation of Sam Malone, where yeah, he's a jock and he's not the brightest bulb and he's you know this plain clothes kind of guy, but there's still he still had this little wit to him and yes. uh, yeah, I, I love I love that about these earlier seasons.
0: Yeah, and he could be he could be very quick and he could be very sharp and direct. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I also think this sort of joke portends like once once Shelley Long left the show and Diane was was out of the picture, mm-hmm. they got so much mileage out of making fun of her later in later episodes they 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 would still every time they came back and made a joke at diane's expense it was gold like they did it they dropped those jokes with surgical precision they didn't overuse them but when they did those like exploded they were so funny this kind of feels like they're laying the seats for that like with them just these are not a couple and just this is when when sam can just say she yeah she's crazy (laughs) (laughs) so what are some of the other ones that you had
1: uh, the other one that made me laugh out loud was when um, after Norm gets hit with the cork and Sam is, you know, holding up his fingers, how many fingers am I holding up? And coach <laughs> says three, not yeah. you coach. <laughs> and, and, Nor- and Norm says three. And then uh, Nick Colisano just perfectly delivers. Sure. After I give him the answer. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. I love that too. That was good. Um. I also, I, I mean, one of my runners up was, I, it couldn't be beat that first time when, when she says, I, I'll kill you. When she says, I've got a gun, I know how to use it. I mm-hmm. uh, just like the, the, for the shock value as much as anything else. It's just like this. Yeah. You're just like, did I just hear her say what I think she said? Who is this woman? So.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, any and, uh, oh, the other one. Um, oh, it, it, it's the one really good, uh, it's the one really good insult that uh, Carla gets in this episode. And it's when uh, Cliff is upset that they didn't invite him to go up to <laughs> dinner. And he said, well, I've been, in, I've been known for embarrassing, you know, professional experts. And Carla says, no, you've been known for embarrassing everybody, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 And he's like, what does he say? He's like, if you say it, it's not bragging. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he doesn't miss the fact that she's, <laughs> she's insulting him at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a it's a it's a funny episode punctuated by that really like you like uh, as much as i said a few episodes ago you're always going to remember the same turns the other sheet because sam gets shot Mm -hmm. like you're going to remember this one when diane meets fraser's mother-in-law because she threatens to shoot her it's but yeah this one this one really pays off with having a lot of good jokes and some dramatic moments at the end and it's a it is a very good needy episode for fraser too uh but especially for diane so
1: yeah and and as you said it lays it lays groundwork it Mm -hmm. you know it it lays groundwork for the fraser character it lays sort of groundwork that this diane fraser relationship is not meant to be um it it, it lays groundwork you know in terms of just the uh (laughs) the 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 sheer um intensity in which you know everyone would you know dislike diane for years to come (laughs) um (laughs) yeah there's and and as i said before at the beginning it's not you know it's not even though there are some very laugh out loud moments which we talked about um you know it's it might not be the funniest episode of the season but it's very important
0: yeah and i mean it's i I don't want to shortchange it either there are some really good jokes too so yeah
1: no no it's really it's it's like a it's a nice little one-act play it's set up very very well
0: yeah. And um, most of the best episodes of Cheers were like that. So Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Brandon, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of Cheerscast. Where else can our listeners hear you if they want to hear more from you?
1: Absolutely. I'm I'm a member of the uh, Front Row Network with um, NPR Illinois Community Voices. Um, I host a show called Front Row Classics, where we talk about uh, films from uh, the golden age of Hollywood through the 70s. Um, you can find us on, you can go to NPR Illinois and search Front Row Network and you can find the links to uh, all of our episodes. We have hosts that do episodes on, uh, on Disney, on Guilty Pleasures, on um, any different types of movies that you would enjoy. We also, deal with a tv and um, we're we're even into gaming now so there's a lot of different uh, shows and episodes for you to choose from so you can also find us by searching front row network on spotify
0: all right very very cool uh yeah once again thank you for being on this episode and thanks to all of you out there who listen to cheers cast and support the show by liking and sharing on facebook favoriting and retweeting on twitter and leaving a comment on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com you can also support the fire and water podcast network on patreon special thanks to mike gillis from radio versus the martians rick from jeff and rick presents unpacking the power of the power pack and ashford wright from the right on network who sponsored this show For more information on how you can support your favorite shows on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks to everyone for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Why don't you two have a seat, and I'll get us a fine cordial. Will you trust me to make the selection? I have a very special little treat in mind that I've just discovered, and I'd like to surprise you with
1: it. Oh, crazy! you're mad, but I love you.
0: Three cans of Schlitz. (laughs) Listen, and listen carefully. Stop seeing my son, or as God is my witness, I'll kill you. Something to munch on. Yum, yum, yum. Now listen to me.
1: I have a gun. I know how to use it. Doesn't that look lovely what do you call it
0: well it's a delightful pear liqueur oh sounds delicious doesn't it Diane
1: uh, uh, uh. I think she likes
0: it well I hate to leave your company again so soon but I must uh, visit the men's room you know what they say you only rent a Chateau Lafitte Rothschild
1: I'll go with you
0: well Diane there are some things a man must do alone
1: if you love me You won't do this now. Well, it's a peculiar test of a man's affection, but uh, (laughs) I think I'm up to it.